Uh, I'm invite. Ah, here we go. Julie's here to read for us, and then James and Lou are going to come. Thanks, Julie. God's word to us from Acts chapter two. Peter replied, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins." and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, good evening, folks. Hello. <laughs> good evening, everybody. Uh, it's great to be with you. And um, what we want to do in the next few minutes is introduce uh, the next month and set in context what we're trying to what we're trying to receive from God this next month. And um, how we want to do that is we want to share a bit of the journey that has got us here. Uh, some of the challenges we're facing, um, and I hope inspire us uh, afresh about how much God wants to move uh, amongst us. It's good to see you, by the way. We don't normally see you in the darkness. <laughs> You're looking okay. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, that's good. Um, Father, thank you for one another. Thank you for all you're doing. I would just say, even as we sung with the children and young people at the start, you are perfect in all of your ways. I thank you that we catch the smallest glimpse because of uh, the feebleness of our gaze uh, upon you, but we're going to spend forever just seeing how wonderful, how divine, how awesome, how perfect your ways are. And we just magnify who you are and glorify you, Lord. We pray always let, let Jesus be the head of this church. And may we always uh, find the grace from him to just be obedient and faithful to what he's calling us to. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're visiting us or here, uh, just popping in, and this means nothing to you, um, what you're going to get over the next few minutes is just an insight into how we're just wrestling with what God is doing with us as a church. So um, if you're planning never to come here again, then then I hope <laughs> I hope it's interesting to you because um, this is the stuff that we're just seeking God about, and I hope that you can pray with us uh, as we go on this um, on this journey. Um, we thought that we would just show a bit of our long-term vision uh, first for us, simply to remind us uh, about what He's called us to. And um, we arrived here um, a, a bit over six years ago now. And we came into an area where God has been working for many, many years and standing on the shoulders of many people who've prayed for the churches, for the land, for the communities here. Um, and when we arrived, we, we just knew that God wanted to bring his kingdom here. And we really, I, I guess, um, how we went about that was firstly just to inspire us about what the kingdom of heaven looks like, the kingdom that Jesus spent three and a half years talking about. And um, then we decided to sort of put that together in such a way that if God really came and if he really moved amongst us, what could that possibly look like uh, here in our communities? Um, And so we wanted to show this now. I must just give you a sort of caveat about how we use this. This is not the Ten Commandments. So this is not how to get here and it has to arrive on the 1st of January 2033. You know, uh, six and a bit years ago when we wrote this, um, we were just thinking, we want to we build for the long term because we want God to move in such a way that he really does change us. And it's not just, let's do a cool church for a little bit and then, you know, move on to the next thing. No, we, really, we really desired God's kingdom to really tangibly dwell. And so we thought, let's go long enough that we give God time, but let's go short enough that we've got a good chance of seeing it. <laughs> so that, that's what we talked about. Um, We don't use this in a legalistic way. So some of the words in here will not be prescriptive details on how we do what we're meant to be doing. So when you pull it apart, you say, well, we haven't quite done that. And we used slate instead of, you know, um, Horsham stone on the roof and all this sort of, that's not how it's meant to be used. What we're doing is painting a picture of the enormity and infinite possibility that God carries when he's allowed to move. So let's just watch that just to remind us and then we'll pick up. In the year 2033, a tipping point was reached in a small backwater cluster of villages in the county of Sussex. Over the past three decades, what can only be described as the presence of God had been growing steadily at a deep and permeative level throughout the communities. It wasn't simply the number and state of the churches which was remarkable, and remarkable they were. The small historic churches were packed inside and out, hosting continuous services throughout the weekend as person after person queued to worship. The historic churches had themselves birthed new church communities and converted barns, new builds and community spaces right across the area. Rivalry was consigned to being an historical anomaly, as a rich oneness marked the entire Church of Jesus Christ. Inside the churches, rich embraced poor, young honoured old, each considered possessions for the benefit of all. Miracles great and small occurred daily, 
as the word went forth, and a beautiful serenity rested upon each gathering. No, the remarkable feature was to be found in the very atmosphere abroad in the land. Simply driving into the area, many accounts were told of long-term addictions being instantly broken. Many told of having to stop cars by the roadside as tears of healing joy streamed down faces, of kneeling beside their running engines to find the Lord Jesus Christ, revealing his glorious love and freeing power. Countless sightings of angelic hosts were reported. Dreams and visions of God were seen by young and old, and it is said that the people felt a lightness here, as if they could reach out and touch heaven itself. This was awakening. This was revival. This was reformation, transformation. Whatever name you want to give it, all we can say is, God is there. And God had transformed the architectural landscape. What had been derelict barns 20 years before were converted into meeting places for hymn singing and unceasing prayer. Many had extended homes to house the forgotten and endangered of the invisible urban underclass. Rescued prostitutes were adopted into families. Long-term offenders learned skills, found security, and began new lives. Drug addicts broke free after prayer in heavenly language. The tormented in mind finally found peace in this haven. And haven is how the cities thought of this place. Valuing the partnership built and free flow of real help and open-armed embrace, Perhaps the cities valued mostly the divine resourcefulness that characterized the inhabitants of these villages. Seemingly touched by the finger of God, the social landscape became creatively fertile. Artistry flourished, craftsmanship thrived, music and poetry was written, dripping with the glory of heaven. Business was pioneered with holiness at its core. Schools now worshipped as they worked. And as each child worked, every fiber of their being was awoken. It seemed there was a healing home or retreat center at the bottom of every lane. Locked front doors were a thing of the past, as were neighborly feuds. Indeed, the weekend street parties were always wildly joyous, yet deeply reverent. Envoys, missionaries, and life igniters were sent from this place, around the nation and beyond, proclaiming everywhere they went, he is the Lord, the giver of life. The heartbeat of this place is hard to describe. All one can do to understand what has happened is to stand back and conclude that Almighty God must have done this. In days gone by, the Chanctonbury area was well known as a place of pagan worship and witchcraft. Redemption has enveloped the past. Now we can surely say this is the dwelling place of God. This indeed is the gate of heaven. So that's our heart. That's our vision as the church. And that vision has been passed through what was then our three PCCs um, six or five years ago whenever we did it. And now it's one PCC. But that is the vision of the church. That's what we are working towards. That's our heart. 
And we just want to share briefly, because we've been a church that has been adding to our numbers over the last two or three years. So we just want to share for some of you who haven't been on the full journey with us, um, what the Lord has been doing and a bit of what we've done in the last six years. So when we came here, um, like James said, we got to stand on the shoulders of those who came before, those who have prayed here, those who have worked hard, have taught, have um, tirelessly given themselves to God for this place and for this church and for this community. And we had the privilege of, of coming in on top of what they have done. But what happens sometimes when you have an interregnum, which is what happened before we arrived, is some people move and change churches, and especially young people and children. So when we came, we found a church that didn't have as many children, had a handful of youth, and didn't have a creche. Now, we rocked up with four children, so that kind of helped. <laughs> But we rocked up with a two-year-old, and I thought, there is no way I'm going to sit in church with a two-year-old trying to keep her quiet. So straight away, myself and Sarah Colley over there decided that we were going to relaunch the crash. <laughs> so there was us and, I don't know, six other children, something like that. And we worked tirelessly, didn't we? Crash, week in, week out. And now you'll see our crash is packed. You know, we probably have between 50 and 20 uh, little ones under threes in that group, which is really exciting. And also straight away, uh, because we're a young family, I thought I'm going to start a toddler group. Um, I just, I'm, I'm a bit of a visionary as well as James, so I could see the gaps, and I was like, I'm going to do something about it. And I think that's what has characterised the last six years. Those of us who have been here on this journey have all rolled up our sleeves and got stuck in. So sometimes you'll see us. Um, doing crash, doing a notice, singing, you know, it's been kind of, we'll do all the jobs possible because we just want to um, move things on and just bring more of his presence and work towards this vision. So, yeah, that's where, what I've been doing, really. I think it's, it's awesome to have a long-term vision, but you actually need to change the reality of where you are now, which is the crunchy bit, because it costs you something and there's a sacrifice. So I remember when we arrived, it would have been lovely to sit next to Louise in church and have her cheering me on and all of that. But we knew, do you know what, we need to get some of the building blocks in place, you know, to go forwards. I think the other thing we just wanted to mention is how um, this community, but also in the leadership, we've submitted our vision and ourselves to those we're under authority in. So uh, I remember slightly in trepidation. <laughs> Um, just sending off um, our vision, you know, to the bishops and to the archdeacon. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of one of those moments, if this goes wrong, this is P45 time, you know. But at the end of the day, if this is from God, then he will give a grace to see it realized. And, you know, I remember the archdeacon um, saying to me, man, James, we just wish every, every church in our diocese had a vision like this. So, um, you know, I, I just want to sort of say that really clearly, that we're not a sort of rogue maverick. You know, we're not the classic Church of England country parish, but, you know, we are submitting to those. We're under authority, and they love it, and we love it, and I think there's a blessing that God commands as a result. Then we shared that with our church wardens and the PCCs, and again, it's sort of heart in the mouth time because the Lord, you know, with all these things, when we, when we respond to what God is saying, 
there's always the step off the edge of the boat time. And I've got to say, we have had terrific people in our church councils and still have today who said, you know what, it's pretty out there, but we are going to serve, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to pray, we're going to love until we see this become reality. Still me. Um, so then um, a couple of years ago, um, we... <laughs> how organized we are. Um, so then... Uh, so then a couple of years ago, we were probably getting about 1.40 on a Sunday morning here in Ashington, and um, we went to two morning services on the first Sunday in October 2017. You know, and it's an absolute joy. I think last Sunday we had about 80 of the 9 o'clock uh, service, Sally and Ian were telling me, um, and I think many of us here are from the 11, uh, and we can see what God is doing before our eyes. And, and I think this is what is setting up our kind of, month of discernment, if you like, is that we multiplied services two years ago, and here we are, particularly at 11 o'clock, we're pretty full, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But we just wanted to remember what God has done, because every time we come to one of these crossroads, we, it, there's, there's never, how it works with God is you always have to exercise new faith for the challenge that's ahead, but how we can inspire that faith is we look back and see how much God has done. You know, I remember we had a church weekend just before we multiplied services. And you know, as I, I was sort of plastering my smile on, it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it's going to be fine. And you know, there are a few sort of jittering behind the scenes. Because it's easy to look at all the things that can go wrong. Here we are on the month of discernment. You know, we're laying our community before the Lord. And you know, the fleshly part of us could be like, oh my goodness, what if some renegade comes up with a complete whatever and, you know, all of that. But actually the truth is, is that as we submit our lives to Jesus, he's always faithful and he always provides and he always leads us on. So why are we, why are we going into this month, Louise? Because we definitely have some challenges and it definitely feels like we, we've done phase one since coming here. And it feels like we're into phase two. And when we came back from sabbatical, we've already shared this with you, we came back and it was just rammed in here. It was, it's busy tonight, but it's even busier on a normal 11 o'clock. So you've got kids everywhere, you've got big hairy youth. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, you know, people are standing up at the back. Um, you, there's a challenge because we're in a, a country parish and this church isn't very big. If we had a bigger building, we wouldn't be facing those challenges right now. But we're in a small building and so we have a few challenges. So when you come in, it, for some it can feel really overwhelming because it's so loud, um, you can't find a seat, you have to get here early if you want to find a seat, you're often being jumped on if you're down at the front or you can't see because these tall ones are right in front of you. It's quite crazy, but it's precious as well. Uh, one other challenge is, as I was saying, we're really growing now with children and young people. And one of the challenges we're facing is that pretty much our creche and our kids groups are nearly at capacity. And we're at the stage where we, are, we never want to, but we might have to turn people away because we are growing, but we're not growing with people who will help out. Also, 
in, uh, in every group are crash, our children and our young people. We have children with additional needs in each of those groups, which is fantastic. But we want to make sure we are providing a safe and the best environment for all of our children, which includes those with additional needs as well. Yeah, I mean, I love that. Um, but one of the challenges we're facing just in terms of ratios with volunteers in our children's and youth, group, uh, youth groups, uh, because of those with additional needs, you know, some of them need one-to-one. -one. We want to provide that. But actually, at the moment, if we don't have other team coming in, then particularly, I know Nick and Holly are kind of in crowd management mode rather than leading the ministry and bringing the presence of God to the children just because of pressure on numbers. So, you know, we just wanted to share this because this is thrilling and it's really exciting, but we also need to do something about it. Um, and I think this is something for us all to own and to share. Um, Philly, uh, who's our administrator here, she was saying at a recent team meeting uh, that um, I think last year or this, this year, we've grown by 100 adults who have signed up to the emails, you know, um, saying we're part of this, beginning to give, beginning to get involved, 100 adults. And the way I think is, I think to myself, okay, in 2020, I'd love to at least double that. You know, what if we had 200 brand new adults, potentially with lovely husbands or wives and children or grandchildren turning up? How are we able to host them well? And, you know, I know that I like a big crowd. It, it's fine for me. But I also know that some of us are like, oh, my goodness, there's people encroaching on my personal space. And that's perfectly valid. And and all of those things. And we just don't want to squeeze out our ability to connect with God, to welcome his presence, and then to release it wherever we go um, as we go from here. Uh, so some other, other questions. You know, I think growing with 100 adults, I'd love to say we were prepared for that. Um, I know that our house groups are full. Um, and so, you know, we're sort of scrabbling around trying to get things, you know, in place. We need to do things about that. Uh, we need to do something about that, and uh, we're thinking that through. And to reassure you, we are going to do something about that. We're actually all meeting tomorrow morning, so bear with us, um, but we will do something about that. I think one challenge is how do we bring the kingdom as well as honouring our authorities in the C of E? You know, because uh, I'm in my sort of civvies tonight, uh, but actually, you know, if some of the solutions are releasing other ministry in the Church of England, if we want to break bread, then to honour our bishop, then we've got to have someone who wears a, a bit of the old, um, you know, fairy liquid, you know, cut up around their collar. Um, and, uh, and actually, that's, that's important because that is the, the stream that we're in. And, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, at the moment, we're already weekly running three morning services once a month, we're running four morning services when we meet at Buncton or Whiston in the winter. Um, and we're also once a month running our youth service, Set the Fire. So there's quite a bit going on already. And again, I just want to ask the question, you know, even as we seek God and pray for more of his kingdom, you know, do we want him to triple the church next year? You know, in his kindness, sometimes I think he holds back how willing he is to move so that he doesn't kill us or burn us out because we're not ready to receive. But actually, I just want to say, come on, fling wide those heavenly gates. You know, game on. Um, but I also, look, I don't want to see too often the whites in the eyes of some of the team. 
you know, we want to do things in a different way so that, you know, 5% of us at the centre are not scurrying around looking like our hairlines are receding, you know, by each and every month that goes by. But actually, a bit like we heard in that reading, we're together sharing everything in common. You know, it's, it's fascinating that 3,000 poured into the Pentecost church in Acts chapter 2. And actually, it led to the sharing of property, the sharing of lives. They met in the big and in their homes. And I, I, I think one of the reasons we're opening this month is we want to work out how to do this here in our context. Yeah, and I think probably the biggest problem we all feel is how do we get to know each other? You know, because on a Sunday morning, we don't really have time. Um, you're in the service, then you go home, and we've got people flying around. How do we actually get to know one another? How do we learn to love one another? How do we be family together? And again, that, that's something we're going to be talking specifically about in two weeks' time. But we are aware of this, and it's on our heart to, to change that and to help us as a church to love one another better. So we were thinking, what are the, the key values of what God has been doing over the last six years? What, what have we discovered that's been important and is on God's heart and we want to hold on to moving forward? And one thing I think probably everybody will agree is that the Lord has brought families here in terms of we have every decade represented from the teeny tinies over there right the way through to 80, even 90-year-olds. And that's even within the 11 o'clock service. We have multi-generational. And I think we know that that is important. That is God's heart. And I think moving forward, that's a value that we really want to hold dear to us all, that how do we grow and make sure that whether it's more services or um, whatever we do in the future, how can we keep that value of being multi-generational? I think one thing is worth just saying, um, because I think this is why you all keep turning up, is that one thing that we've treasured right from the start is just a real love of the presence of God, of the kingdom of heaven just coming amongst us. You know, Matt was picking it out, you know, you know, there's moments halfway through the worship where suddenly everything fades away and all my stuff gets put aside and actually I'm just face to face with the Lord. And, you know, I think this is really important, you know, if we're new into the church, that just join us. We love being in the presence of God. We love making space for that. And we know that when God is central and he's being honoured, that actually he does what he's been doing for 2,000 years, which is changing our lives and just filling us with his love and his power and his glory. And we just don't, we don't want to lose that. And even as we enter this month, as we look at some, some like how do we sort of organize ourselves, it's organize, organizing ourselves so that we can continue to fan the flame of the fire of God being amongst us. Um, and uh, so we just wanted to sort of say that, just loving the presence of God and the kingdom being here by the Holy Spirit. And I think how we've... One of the reasons I think God has um, been so gracious to us is because we stumbled across a real key to living together, which is love and gentleness. You know, as God has moved, and I think we're going to need this as we go into this month, that as God has moved amongst us, sometimes that just stirs stuff up in us, and sometimes we can go, Bleh. 
And, and I think one thing that's really, really important is just that we're gentle and loving, you know, and just actually the pressure is off because we're just trying to follow Jesus. Um, but we continue to bear with those who are a bit slower at the back of the queue, you know, and we're loving towards those parts of the church which are not doing what we want them to do and the diocese and da-da-da-da-da. But we, we, we're gentle and we're loving. Um, and um, I think that's really important. Okay, we've got five minutes to cover two pages. Brilliant. Okay. So basically, what we wanted to do in bringing this before us is, is to say, in some ways, we've done the research about what to do. There are lots of options that you could argue for in terms of moving forwards. We could multiply services again. We could start a five o'clock congregation like we have tonight. Um, but... We're already running three and sometimes four on a Sunday. And a lot of our key team have got children coming out of every corner of their homes. You know, we're going to need to think about that. And what does that mean when some of our children's and youth uh, groups are already under pressure just resourcing what we have? We need to, if we're to multiply services and plant another congregation, we need to get ready and tool up and organize ourselves for that. Um, do we need to plant? Um, you know, we've been looking for 18 months or so about, do we slice off 100 of you and send you sideways to Washington? And, um, you know, I think we just get out a big big knife, slice it down, you know, a third of the church. And, you know, I think, you know, it could, be, it could be that we do that. You know, I think, you know, Washington, I think, we've had to just slow things down a little bit because they've been feeling a bit like, whoa, you know, who's going to invade our space and all of that? And partly, partly, you know, our value of gentleness is actually slowing down and saying, Lord, is this really what you've said? And is this really going to work? You know, and I think this summer I was just reflecting on a lot of our in-gathering is really happening here predominantly at 11 o'clock at Ashington. And so, you know, if a hundred of you suddenly get a real passion and vision for Washington, maybe let's do that. But I think we just wanted to come back to the Lord and say, is that still what you're saying? Is that still what you're doing? And have a look at that. Do we need to get a bulldozer out, crash this building down and just get a bigger one? You know, and then it, and then it stirs up, you know, what do we like? Do we want to be a big church? And then, it's, and then it brings out, well, some of us like small church, some of us like big church. It's interesting when you think about the book of Acts, 3,000 of them met together daily in the temple courts. And actually, if you read on into chapter 4 and chapter 5, you find that over the next couple of years, they grow to 5,000. You know, some think when persecution hits in Acts chapter 8 that they're about eight or 9,000. So that is a massive community, yet still utterly united and loving and sharing possessions and caring for one another. But also they were doing small really well by meeting in their homes. And, and so I think even as we enter this month, I think we're, we're not going to say big church is bad, small church is beautiful, or small church is beautiful or bad or whatever, and big church is whatever we're going for. We're just wanting to say we want to make space for God. And it might mean that we need a bigger building or we need, we need, a, we need to put the youth in here and move on to the farm or whatever. Not that that's ours and we can do that. So, uh, so it's, but I think, you know, one of, our, one of our teams said, do you know what, if we had a 500-seater in Ashington that was empty, we'd probably have done a few events in there by now. 
but we haven't. And so, you know, but I think we just want to sort of lift the lid on our possibilities uh, and what, what's going on. Or the final thing is, is there, a, is there a bespoke blueprint that God has? And I think this is probably what we feel, that he actually wants us to catch together as his church this month by not just one or two of us wrestling with these things, but us as a family coming together, saying, Lord, you gave a detailed description for the tabernacle because you wanted them to do it exactly how you purposed. And I think that's probably what he's saying for us so that his glory can, can dwell amongst us. Quickly, we're going to share um, our own journey to get into this point because I think it's helpful for us all to you know, pay attention to the things that cropped up in us because I'm sure they'll crop up in you as well. Because we want to position ourselves to hear from God. That is the, the most important thing is that it's not hearing from us or what the world says, or what other churches say, is hearing from God. So um, we have had to lay down control uh, to take up submission to his plans. You know, control would be, well, I like it like this, and I don't ever want to be like that. No, actually, we need to listen to what God's saying. It's his church at the end of the day. It's not ours. It's not yours. It's his church, and we want to follow what he's saying. We also need to not fear about what it looks like. You know, it's nice in the old days where there was only a hundred of us and we all knew each other. And what, what is it going to look like if there's 500 of us? How are we all going to be known and be loved? You know, let's not do fear. Let's lay fear down. Also, let's crucify any previous church experience that we've had. You know, let's not come to this going, well, I was part of this church, and then this happened when you did that. Or, oh, you don't want to do that because at this church I was part of, that happened, and that was really bad. Let's just get rid of past experience. If we need to forgive, forgive. If we need to repent, repent. But let's move forward knowing what he's saying, not what churches around us are saying. And we also want to suggest we need to crucify any kind of worldly thinking. This is a church. We're not a business. We can learn from business. We can learn from people who are specialized in different areas. Of course, we want to do that. But at the end of the day, we're a church. We're a body. We're a family. We're not a corporation. We also really want to crucify the idea of being like other churches we've been inspired by. Because their context is different. You know, we're in a rural setting. We have our own job to do, and let's again learn from other things, but let's not try and be other churches that we have seen. Let's go directly to God and know what his plans are for this church. Can I, can I just say, I think that is so freeing for us, because the reason we do that and say, do you know, I'm going to throw out a few names, um, you know, we're not trying to do our best HTB in the countryside impression our best Bethel West Sussex impression, our best Catch the Fire impression. Yeah, we were in Toronto this summer. We loved it. But you know what? We couldn't wait to get home. You know, because actually what the Lord treasures is the relationship that we're going to discover by going deeper ourselves. Because he wants us not to go, brilliant, I'm not even going to listen to you. I'm just going to lift off the shelf from somewhere else, boom, and I'm sure this is the right idea. But actually what he loves most is when we lean in and we say, Lord, please will you show us your ways? Please will you teach us? Please will you show us how you want to do it here in our communities 
And I think the Lord loves that. And he loves to then reveal his plans to us when we incline our ears and listen to him. Um, I, I just wanted to say, if this is the first church you've been in, then it's really important that you're able to see that God wants to do so much more. You know, I, I think, you know, it, this is terrific, you know, what's going on. But actually, it's really important that we embrace what's to come. Because I think I just have this residual ache in my heart for those who don't turn up every week. And those children and young people and parents and grandparents and single people, you know, who aren't part of this. You know, I was speaking, at, we had a great remembrance service this morning. Uh, you know, and I just, we were just talking about Jesus and, and just how wonderful it is. Uh, and I think I just went away myself, inspired by my own preaching. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, do you know what? It, it grieves me that more people didn't hear about him. You know, and I pray that they will from other places and other people, because it doesn't have to just be from my lips. But actually, I can't bear the thought that people would live life apart from the Lord. You know, and so, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the final thing we just wanted to just lay down is just a desire to be comfortable. You know, we've got our underfloor heating and we've got the seats we normally sit in. You know, um, Ed's sitting here and, you know, uh, Louise's parents are three rows back and James is two rows back and Jean Hatch is there and she's got a niece with her and all of that. You know, actually, come on. You know, God calls us to broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. You know, in order to obtain the pearl of great price, in order to obtain the Lord and his kingdom and all he has for us, means we've got to sell everything. And so I think, you know, it, re- it requires all of us to be able to say, do you know what, I need, to, I need to open my heart and open my ears, Lord, to do things according to what you're saying if I'm going to be part of this community. So I need to play my part and I need to um, do things differently and maybe care for different people than I have been and pick up different ministries than I have been and roll up my sleeves in areas that I haven't been, and sit in a different place, or come at a different time, or say, yeah, I'm going to be part of planting something new, or I'm going to find a building solution, or I'm going to go knock on you know, Kate's Cakes and say, can you give us your warehouse, or whatever it is, or I'm going to find some land, or I'm going to, uh, whatever. This is, this is all of us saying, we're not going to be comfortable living in beautiful West Sussex. We're not going to be those comfortable middle-class Christians who come on a Sunday, feed for 90 minutes, and then just go away. And I know that none of you are like that. I do, because we're inspired to be part of this community, but it crouches at the door in the security that we enjoy to be comfortable. And it's not that we have to be dogged and, you know, a slight sort of fear in our eyes, you know, all of that. But he calls us to sacrifice our own lives in order that we might gain real life, which is his and what he's calling us to. So there's loads of opportunities to join in as a body, as a community, and hear God's voice together. There's a flyer around. I haven't got it. I think you all had it last week. It's online as well. There's Wednesday nights, worship, prayer, prophetic. Um, There's even a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, On Sunday mornings, we're going to be talking more about how God wants to grow us. So... Please do engage with this. You can all hear God. This is our church. And we are also putting out a survey as well. And again, one of the things I would just like to say 
is let's not do it how we would do it, but let's just pause and ask God what he's saying as we fill in the survey. But um, everyone's important and we're all in this together and let's take part and join in. I think just wanted to mention outcomes, you know, just in terms of what we're going to do. So we've got this month, we've got a prophetic workshop on Wednesday, all the dates like Louise just said. But basically what we're going to do is we'd love to just gather in what God is saying, the prophetic themes, the senses of what God has for us as a church. And then as we enter 2020 as a leadership, we'll gather that in. We'll, we'll then make the decisions that we need to make in order to go forwards. Um, but yeah, we'd love everyone to participate and, and to get involved. And I think the key question as we finish today is, what does church look like in 10 years' time according to God? What does church look like in 10 years' time according to God? Mohan, do you want to finish with those? Why don't we all stand as we finish? And I'm just going to read out as a prayer over us all. It's from Romans. And we want to be a church that is unified under his lordship and unified by his spirit. And I'm just going to read over us. Let's have it as a prayer, what Paul says to the Romans. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, that is our heart's desire as your church. We want to be one in heart and mind in spirit, one where we all aim just to glorify your holy name. We want to be one just as you are one. We want to have the mind of Christ. We want to look like Jesus in our actions, in our attitudes and how we meet together. So will you speak to us in this coming month? Will you give us wisdom from heaven? Will you give us your plans of how we can fulfill your vision for this church will you give us your plans of how we can reach our community will you give us your plans of how we can surrender to one another and love one another just as you have loved us and Jesus will you build your church here in this place for the glory of God the Father amen I think what we'd love to do is just maybe for three or four minutes now, um, just encourage us to, to go into groups of three and four. Um, pray for the tallest first, then go down. And I think uh, I'd, love you, I'd love you to take a moment just to stand before the Lord in, in quietness, then pray for, pray for the others in your group. Stand before the Lord, just lay down anything that needs laying down as we enter this month. And then just bless one another. Let's just pray that we all open the ears of our hearts to hear what God is saying. And then just, just bless one another as we go into the week ahead. For, that we would really flourish.
with the life of Jesus flowing within us as we go to work, go to our families, go to school, um, and just take a bit just to, just to bless one another. Okay? Groups of threes and fours, then we'll just pray a blessing in um, sort of four or five minutes' time. If you, if you feel you're no good at prayer, then just get the others to pray for you. <laughs> um, and or, or just pray quietly, um, you know, no pressure. Uh, but let's just turn and um, spend a few minutes um,
Just going to give you just a couple more minutes, so um, make sure you're uh, rotating, just blessing one another who you're praying with. So I'm going to gather us to a conclusion. Let's, uh, even as our young people have just returned, let's just reach out and just grab the shoulder of people we're with as a sign of our shared bonds of love brought to us by Jesus Christ himself and all that he did for us 2,000 years ago. And a final, a final blessing. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy, your kindness, and your faithfulness. As we go now, we pray the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he rest upon each of us, upon those we love and pray for, both this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Ashington, be blessed, and go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ.